Welcome to Beaver Does Movies. Uh, James Beaver back once again, and this is going to be an interesting episode. It's uh, half recommendation and half movie review. A couple of weeks back, I put a post on Instagram showing a picture of a Mr. David Lynch. I have never ever seen a David Lynch movie. I know of it, I respect his work, but I've never actually seen a movie. And the individual right now you're about to hear messaged me and said, Hey, I've been on your show once. I want to come on again and yell at you about <laughs> David Lynch. Uh, I don't think that that would be very Lynchian, though. He would more whisper it in your yes, ear. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sky Forleason is uh, back on the show. We last spoke about Death Note. And now we've got a more positive movie for you to watch. Well, positive in terms of my reception of yeah, it. So. Rather than you just having a boo-boo face the entire time mm, while watching it. <laughs> grumpy, grumpy, Ex- grumpy. <laughs> exactly. I want you, before we go into watching the movie, I want you to explain Mr. David Lynch. <laughs> How do you explain David Lynch is a good question. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> well, fair enough. So David Lynch is one of the filmmakers that fascinates me the most as an artist, basically. There are about 13 filmmakers that I go back and forth on and saying, these are my favorites. And Lynch is on the lower tier of that. But the main reason why I love him so much is because his movies never leave you. They never seem to... Uh, their impact continuously kind of go- it it goes into your head and it and it morphs and it changes and it gives you a different perspective. Okay, it's one of those film he's one of the filmmakers who I would describe as artist as provocateur. Okay, I, I've I've heard a lot of his stuff is on the on the spectrum of he would like to like mess you up. He <laughs> wants you to walk away from the movie theater or your TV screen absolutely destroyed? Um, Destroyed is an interesting term, and I think that there are some films in his filmography that definitely have that effect. Um, when, When we're talking about Lynch, what I like to say is that he's less interested in telling you what his movies are about and more interested in the individual impact that watching them leaves on you. His films are very cryptic. They're very symbolic. They're very strange in their imagery and their editing. And there's sort of odd odd instances where uh, scenes interrupt each other on occasion. Uh, But the the fact of the matter is that um, he's he's not... They're also very cryptic because... He doesn't like to talk about the meaning inside of them. Yeah, I've I've really seen an interview where he's like explained. Uh, does he do like commentary tra- tracks at all? No. Yeah, so that's pretty much because the the in thing is often to do a commentary track, and with David Lynch never doing a commentary track, that's pretty much indicative of um, him not wanting to explain. He wants to put it to, to your interpretation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so. When it comes to a David Lynch movie, um, you recommended me uh, Razorhead is his first movie, correct? Eraserhead is his first movie. Yes. It was the film that basically he made at the American Film Institute yeah. when he was, I believe it started when he was 25 years old. And the production lasted for five years. Oh, wow. Because he kept running out of money and everybody on the film was 
on a specific uh, schedule. They had day jobs and so forth. But everybody was still committed to this one piece of work because they wanted to see it finished. Yeah. Even though Lynch didn't really have much of a script going into it. He basically had a 20 to 30 page outline. Okay. And he relied a lot on improvisation and crea- creating scenes a little bit on the fly. Not necessarily in terms of like the way that what happens in the scenes, but the way that those scenes play out. Okay, that kind of reminds me uh, in Twin Peaks, uh, the character of Bob mm. was just a, I think he was a stagehand or a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you look creepy, go in there. And then they just stuck him there just to, for a spook, spooky moment, apparently. <laughs> and then he ended up becoming like a giant part of the, the whole TV series of Twin Peaks, which I've never seen. Uh-huh. I've just seen, I've just watched like various clips of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I've seen various clips of is uh, Elephant Man. The Elephant Man. Yeah. yeah. The Elephant Man was the film that got him on the map in terms of mainstream success. It got eight Academy Award nominations, yeah. including his first of three nominations for Best Director. And okay. as far as Lynch's filmography goes, it's the least... Lynchian, and that's actually a term that because it has use. kind of like a beginning, a middle, and an end. That is a very good. Uh, that's a very good indicator. Yeah, it's also very indicative that um, as far as uh, his films go, it's very much grounded in the uh, the real world because it's based on an actual person. Because it is based on an actual person. Yeah, the fact. What what ty- what's typical of a lot of Lynch's films is that he really he's really good at. Um, emulating the dreamscape. Yeah. It's like the back of a racer head actually has a quote from Lynch himself where he described it as a dream of dark and troubling things. Okay. And The Elephant Man, The Elephant Man was my first Lynch film. Okay. And every time you see a f- your first film by a specific director it kind of paints a certain image of what you're going to expect yes. from that director. And it's not a very good indicator of no. what his filmography is like as a whole. And as an example of this, uh, the Elephant kind of had mainstream appeal. Mm-hmm. Was that my mum, uh, when she, when I was younger, would do an impression of the Elephant Man and would actually quote the movie to me. Oh, I wow. actually just realised that. Um, yeah, she would like. I'm not. A, you know, she would like kind of make her face scrunched up and kind of just mm-hmm. just to make me laugh because I was like a, a little asshole. So, <laughs> um, and so that that's indicative of uh, that movie being his more popular movie. Mm-hmm. And then he's had other movies like uh, Mulholland Drive. Right. Um, and then he's also had the TV series, which is on par with success mm-hmm. of The Elephant Man in mainstream appeal because they did the TV series, mm-hmm. they did a movie, and then they did a revival TV series. Yep. Um, that's... I've, I've wanted to get into it. I just... You know, from what I've been hearing, you need to get in a certain headspace to watch mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Well, you ha- you need to be in a certain headspace to watch any f- lit film by Lynch or any television series yeah. by Lynch. I think that as far as, like, in terms of the overall appeal, I think that uh, Twin Peaks is probably the most indicative of uh, Lynch... Uh, along with Mark Frost, who he co-created the show with, basically taking his ideas and his format and putting it in a context that's 
recognizable, like a, a small town murder mystery, basically. Yeah. I say small town. Twin Peaks has a fairly high population, yeah. but a small number of characters in it, basically, yeah. who are all affected by Laura Palmer's death. Uh, the, spoiler alert. That's not a spoiler. That's how the show starts. I, I know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's just for the jokes. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think that as far as, like, Lynch is very... Lynch can be incredibly divisive. Most yes. notably... Um, Pauline Kael was, uh, who was one of the most renowned film critics of her time and of all time, was a very strong defender of Lynch, and she described him as the first successful American surrealist. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if that's the exact quote, but it's along those lines. But on the same on the same page, Roger Ebert, who is basically the most famous critic of all time. Yes famously kind of hated Lynch's films because yeah. he couldn't separate his personal feelings about how they made him feel yeah. from the artistry and from the from the work that Lynch does. And that's very much true for a lot of people, and it's going to be a very divisive and very disturbing experience to watch something like Blue Velvet. Yes. Blue Velvet is probably his most controversial film in yes. terms of... It's a very dark and very unsettling depiction of, again, small town mystery, but uh, with a very seedy, very dark underbelly. It's a very unpleasant film. It put Isabella Rossellini, who is Ingrid Bergman's daughter, on, on the mainstream, uh, on the circuit of stars, but it also doesn't necessarily... It doesn't portray her as an especially strong character she is a victim of a lot of different things there's a major part of this story which focuses on abuse and its effects on people and how that reflects all of the characters in the film and that and uh, lynch is very much interested in understanding in making you react to those things in the way that you need to react to it as opposed to like it's not He's not a he's not a terrible individual himself. He's just weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He he has weird ideas and he puts them on screen, and people when they react they don't know what to feel, mm -hmm. and sometimes the confusion can lead to anger, and mm -hmm. that's probably what uh, Roger Ebert felt when he watched these movies. That's very true. That uh, very so true. my question for you is, and this is going to be a hard question, is what is your favorite David Lynch movie? Well. You're looking at it right oh, here. Oh, Now, I have not seen all of Lynch's films. Quite no. famously, I refuse to watch his version of Dune. And the uh, yes. specific reason why is the same reason that I haven't seen Guillermo del Toro's film Mimic. Yes. The, stu the studio took the movie away from him. They put, his own, they put their own cut out there. And it basically proved to Lynch that... He was not meant to make mainstream movies. Yes. He was not meant to make the kind of... Um, he, he described the making of Dune as being him selling out. Now, but the reason why I connect with Eraserhead is because there's basically two phases of Lynch's career. There's the one that's defined by Eraserhead and the Elephant Man, which focus on... Uh, characters with, with 
it's very much abstract in terms of the imagery. It's meant to be creepy. It's meant to be unnatural. It's meant to look like a disturbing world that these characters live in, even though the Elephant Man is set in a uh, traditional, like, historical setting. Yeah. It focuses on those kinds of characters. Yeah. They're, and, they're also black and white as well. Yes, those two films are in black and white. Yeah. And then when he starts making Dune, and later when he moves into... After he makes Dune, that is. Yeah. Later, he moves on to... Um, Neo-noir. Yeah. Basically, like, taking the noir kind of mystery and putting a twist on it like yeah. making you think about these characters and putting them in weird situations so on that level i personally think that eraser head is right up there yeah. i do love the elephant man but not because of lynch but because of john hurt's john hurt is amazing uh, he's one of my favorite actors unquestionably and he's just fantastic in the movie uh, funny enough, I was just looking up his uh, filmography. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elephant Man and Eraserhead were his first two movies. Mm-hmm. Eraserhead was 1977. Elephant Man was 1980. Yeah. And so, and then he did Dune straight after. Almost immediately after. Um, uh, four years later. Mm-hmm. And so, and then from there, he got, his next movie after Dune is Blue Velvet. So I'm wondering if his dealings with Dune and everything that went on there kind of skewed him and changed him as a director because then he went into Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, the Twin Peaks series and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if, because you sometimes hear that about uh, movie directors, they have this that one movie which is hell for them and it kind of twists their perception as a director. I wonder if that was what happened. That is very much what happened. Yeah. Basically, he wanted to get back to the mind space that he was when he was doing his own creations and making his own visions for the film. And Blue Velvet is very much in this in that style. It's a little bit, compared to his other films, Mulholland Drive is incredibly weird and it sort of meshes the neo-noir with the dreamscape, especially in the last 30 minutes of that film. Um, and then... Twin Peaks kind of has that neo-noir, but it also has the dreamscape with the, uh, the backwards room. And the other thing about Twin Peaks is that it's funny. Yes. It's a comedy. It's almost like a parody of soap opera sort of yeah. style style and mentality. It's he's very, hysterical. He's very much a filmmaker who is fascinated with small towns and yes. that kind of Americana feel. He grew up in Montana, mm. was, studied film in Philadelphia, and so he's aware of those kinds of... I, those kinds of settings are very familiar for him. Yes. Um, have you... You know his daughter's a director too, right? Uh, which one? Um, I, I'll probably add this one, but mm-hmm. I did have it, and it's gone. Uh, Jennifer Lynch. She is... Uh, she did a Helena's Box. Oh. Uh, if you know that movie. I actually didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, she she's done a bunch of uh, TV shows. Uh, most recently, she did Daredevil... Agents oh, yeah. of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's done a lot of TV recently. And uh, I can kind of see, from what I've seen of David Lynch, I can kind of see her because she does a lot of, like, creepy shots. Yeah, yeah. So she's kind of followed on with, with her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's just go straight to the movie. Let's do we it. Are, uh, you have the DVD right here, which I will take a picture of so that you can check it out. And then from there... We will be right back uh, after we've watched 
David Lynch's 1977 Erasure Head. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, we just came like two seconds ago just watching Erasure Head. This is my first time watching it and oh, I got a few things to say. I'm actually trying to like contemplate what to say. But from what I gather, it's about uh, the fear of fatherhood. And from what I've read, uh, David Lynch actually had some issues with uh, having a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lynch, who we actually mentioned, was born with a club foot. Mm. And I think a lot of it stems from becoming a father and he kind of put it all in the script, all his fears, all his hopes. You know, his also the whole industrial aspect as well is actually his life in Philadelphia. Very accurate. Yeah, and as someone who's uh, been to Philadelphia, I went uh, last March. Uh, not last March, like a few a few years ago. I can see, I, I can actually see like kind of a semblance between it. Mm-hmm. At the start of the movie... I'm also wondering uh, the planet that you mm, see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his psyche, correct? I don't quite... I always assumed that it was sort of like an industrial realm or something yeah. like that. I thought that it had something to do with that or maybe it was like the... Almost like... It almost has a semblance a bit to like Pink Floyd's The Wall yes. or something where he's trapped in this scenario and he can't get out. True. Uh, the way I see it is because as soon as the me- mechanic, you know, he, the man in the the moon, I guess, yeah, uh, pushes the levers. That's when everything starts to become nightmarish. Mm-hmm. It starts off pretty normal, but then yeah, well, that's it's pretty much the start of the movie. Not only about this movie is normal, yeah, but as soon as that happens, all this bad stuff happens, mm-hmm. and then towards the end, it explodes, and he's like completely lost it, like with the lady in the radiator and everything, mm-hmm. like everything he's seen. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's indicative of his mental psyche. Mm. Uh, and so the movie, like I said, the movie starts off with uh, Spencer walking and then he met the way this film is shot is beautiful too very like holy it really makes use of the black and white if this was in color here it wouldn't almost be as effective there's a huge uh i love the use of shadows yes and uh frederick elms the cinematographer had said he wanted it black and white and lynch wanted it black and white because it hides so much it does don't know anything of what's in the shadows yeah you could Anything could happen at that moment. And the only time really light is used is with, with the lady in the radiator. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's hope in a way. Yeah. And... Uh, God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to say God damn it quite a bit because that's, that is a, 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 it's a weird movie, but I was almost engrossed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't, I, I don't know where to start. Uh, so if you have anything that you would like to start with while I just try and gather my thoughts... <laughs> I kind of like actually listening to you gathering your thoughts yeah. a little bit because it very much reflects how you see this kind of movie the first time. And it, for me, when I first saw this movie, I didn't really like it as much. I understood it. I didn't really react to it necessarily in a positive way. Yeah. 
uh, like I was like you gathering my thoughts. Mm. And it was as the years passed on before I saw it a second time when I started to re- really appreciate the craftsmanship behind yeah. it. The thing that the thing that I also love about the movie in terms of building the atmosphere, the cinematography is beautiful, as yes. you said, but the sound design yeah. is so creepy. It is so effective. There's this, again, the the industrial aspect of this world keeps humming on in the background. There was almost times where I was actually looking at the fan or looking at like the the electronics around me in case the home was coming from like outside not actually the movie mm-hmm. but then i'm realizing it's actually the movie like especially the uh whistling from the radio yeah at the start <laughs> um this movie cost 10 grand to make and you wouldn't believe that no because they make every single penny count um mm-hmm. the performances are fantastic not much dialogue actually no uh, and it's all in the physical acting and stuff like that mm-hmm. even down to the baby itself yeah uh the baby itself uh apparently i don't know how it was made but i, I believe it may have been a hand puppet for like the the mouth motions that's uh that's the process that i've seen in um stills and so forth yeah yeah but still like the way the eyes move and stuff like that especially for a movie 1977 Mm-hmm. Like it still holds up today, and it's terrifying to look at too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when it's spitting up the food and wailing, you you kind of there's other effects in here that kind of don't look good today, especially like the head effect. Oh yeah, yeah, that <laughs> like his head because you see like this baby head coming out of it, and then you just see it on the floor, and it kind of it kind of took me out. Yeah, the two the the difference between the two of yeah. them is quite staggering because it look the head itself looks like a mo- looks like like a paper mache yeah. model basically, and then you got this awesome looking baby head, mm-hmm. and I think they probably just focus more of their time and budget onto the big aspect, which is this baby. Yeah, uh, apparently the insides of the baby was based on a rabbit. <laughs> uh, I looked that up. Like, uh, during this entire time, like, I'm I'm a fidgeter. I'm constantly on my phone, so I actually yeah. had something in my hand just to kind of keep me focused. And I'm kind of glad I did. Mm-hmm. Even then, me fully focused. I'm still trying to figure out. What. <laughs> um, so let's just do a brief like plot synopsis. So the movie starts with uh, Spencer. He works at a factory. Henry Spencer. Henry I Spencer, say. and. He uh, goes into his apartment, drops off some stuff, and realizes he misses a girl, mm-hmm. Mary X. And he decides to go visit her. Well, the scene before that, actually, uh, it was Mary and her parents who had invited him was to it? dinner. Oh, I didn't That re- was what the conversation was with yes. the lady across the hallway. That was it, yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, uh, didn't put two and two together. And then, so they, he goes over and something's off with the family. Mm-hmm. And from what I've noticed with the family here is they kind of take turns flipping out. Did you <laughs> notice that? Yep. Two of them will actually be like protecting, like the door, Mary of initially goes crazy, mm-hmm. um, spasming out, and the mum takes care of it. Mm-hmm. And then the dad starts going crazy and the mum takes care of it. And then the mum goes crazy. And the daughter take care of it. And then it's just, it's kind of like they're all crazy and they've worked into a cohesive unit to like police each other. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of what happens in like mental asylums back mm-hmm. back in the day. You, you'd have one going crazy and one would take care of it and they would look out for each other because they didn't want the guards to beat them. Yeah, that's very, yeah, very so, strong. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's that's kind of what I took away, especially with my job um, and from what I've learned from my, my education and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have been hit. I, I, I always thought, especially with what the baby becomes, mm-hmm. there might have been some radiation and I was wondering if there's going to be like a radiation uh-huh. subpoint <laughs> coming in but it doesn't actually come in right and so she tell uh, the mom tells him that she she's had had a baby and that's why we've been, Mary's had a baby Mary's had a baby and you got to take care of it mm-hmm. and from here it kind of spirals down and it goes from dream sequence to dream sequence uh, honestly watching this I didn't know which was real which was fake and that's very intentional yeah. on his part. Like, the whole thing is supposed to be, like, yeah. this glom of an experience, basically. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if, from the point that he go, he stands outside, if that is all in his head. Mm, interesting. <laughs> because just the way the dreamscape is, just the way... Just the way they... Expl- just the way everything happens. Mm-hmm. It's, it all feels like his worst nightmare coming to life i think that's actually uh fairly close to some of the impressions that i felt about it so i think it's all his um insecurities uh it's like that big flash when you about to embark in something like meeting the parents you Mm -hmm. know going on a first date you kind of have that flash of of a worst case scenario unfortunately this (laughs) is a a horrible nightmare scenario Mm -hmm. um yeah, like, I definitely enjoyed it, though. Oh, that's good. I definitely enjoyed it. I, I'm i still trying to figure it out, and that's kind of the enjoyment I'm taking from it. Mm-hmm. Um, on your second showing, what did you get from it? Well, I think that as I, uh, as I continued to watch Lynch's films throughout my life, that I've watched them in chapters. Like, I've often seen them, like, uh, a couple years in between them. And as I've watched them, I've really appreciated some of the the some of the thematic through lines. Yes. Uh, Some of the they're they're basically trademark images of Lynch. Yes. And in this case, like there's there's quite a few of them in this case. Like even not necessarily just the imagery. The the imagery is true to him as an artist and especially as a painter. Yeah. Because he originated as a painter and he now works on painting uh because he's essentially unofficially retired from filmmaking at the moment uh he kind of came back for the twin peaks tv series yes that was the one exception yeah um but right but what i but the but there's a couple of things that really do stick out in terms of like themes and images that come back there is the anxiety about sexuality and the anxiety yeah. about fatherhood. There, that is part of it. Yeah. There's a sort of, there's some through line between um, basically the concept of domineering uh, mothers yes. and ineffectual fathers as yeah. well. This is uh, very apparent in stuff like Twin Peaks. Uh, that's not like... The, fa- the mothers in those situations are not domineering, but they're kind of controlling in yeah. their own way. They, they want to make sure the scene is to their liking and nobody else can get the opinion mm-hmm. in. 
Yeah. And that's also very true in Wild of Heart, which is the Palm Dorm winning film that he made in 1990 with Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, and in oh. that case, uh, Diane Ladd uh, is the mother in okay. that situation. And she is all out in yeah. that movie. Like, she got an Oscar nomination, and it's oh. a wild Oscar nomination. Oh, what is that movie? Uh, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart? Okay, I might check that out because you just said Nicolas Cage and I... I, I, I it's, ju- a, it's a good use of Nicolas Cage, too. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy, but it's also in a context where it yeah. makes sense when he is being crazy. Yes, so. I agreed. But uh, I... Sorry. Carry on. Uh, the one uh, constant that is sort of subtextual in all in most of Lynch's films is that there's often a religious subtext yes. to uh, his images and to his stories. In this case, the big uh, the, the sort of angelic figure, as you mentioned, yes. is the girl in the radiator. Yeah. And like she has that song, "In heaven, everything is fine." Yes. And there's this uh, inherent desire by uh, <clears throat> by Henry to basically like try to approach that, mm. but he's trapped inside this realm that's very controlling. He's basically like sort of a cog in everyone else's machine. To yeah, some which extent. is kind of what some people kind of feel like being in a relationship, especially having a child. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel stuck to that one thing. You have that one partner, you have your kids, mm-hmm. and you can't just freely do what you want anymore because you you kind of locked in with your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happens also with the lady across the hall. Yeah. Kind of it's the thoughts of if I have a kid and I'm with the mum, I, I can't go on to other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of his thoughts on infidelity. Mm-hmm. And that he he can't do it anymore. He, he, he has to be super serious because he's reaching like a maturity that he can't do that. Mm-hmm. And it even shows kind of like what happens because he's letting it go past. He sees her with that other man afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that he... That he's going to have to watch that happen. People that he lost after with other people. Basically, like, this is, in a weird way, uh, it is kind of a coming-of-age story for a man who appears to be in his 30s, basically. Uh, John Nance, I believe that he was in his late 20s when he made this film. Yeah. But, like, the character of Henry himself is almost childlike in yes. his approach to things. When uh, the mother is, uh, basically, when Mary's mother is sort of imposing on him, did you have sexual intercourse with Mary? He's kind of, like, shying away. That he's, he, he overtly says, I don't know how to talk about this yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, he, he's an innocent character especially in that when, situation. Um, he wakes up and his wife is like close to him, kind of spasming him out from mm-hmm. like the spermazoids inside yeah. her, which I didn't really get. I think that might have been a nightmare sequence because it's kind of, uh, you're doing this to her mm. and the spermazoids are his uh, semen. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, you've done this to her. Yeah. Well, there's a kind of question of... Who is responsible for uh, making this baby the way that it is? Exactly. Like to some extent, I can understand that it's kind of like 
this anxiety about sexuality again yeah. where you created this thing yeah. and you created this baby uh, which is an unnatural baby in this situation yes. or it could be like for me where it really comes uh, a little bit more like more sort of like appealing to me is that there's this question of very near the end of the movie there's that scene where the baby is laughing at him yeah pretty much laughing at him almost mocking him yeah it seems to have this idea that oh you have no idea yeah. how little it, control you have of your life so yeah it, it's like saying you're trapped with me now mm -hmm. and i really um i would definitely recommend this to people mm-hmm but you kind of got to be in a right mind frame. Like when you told me that I've kind of got to be in the right frame of mind to watch this, mm -hmm. I, I totally understand because if you're coming in, uh, just relaxing after, after work, don't. <laughs> no, this, and um, one, one suggestion that I might give is that feel free to watch a Lynch movie in the daytime, honestly. Yes. And yeah. I, I think that like for me, I think the first time I watched Eraserhead and the last time that I watched Blue Velvet, yeah. it was at nighttime <laughs> and I was kind of in this mood where I was like, I, wa I wasn't ready for Eraserhead at that moment. Yeah. I wasn't ready to feel that anxiety. Mm. And in the case of Blue Velvet, it uh, left such an impact on me that yeah. it kind of, I couldn't sleep for a several hours that evening yeah that even, night, so like even though as we record this this is like 2 p.m so yeah <laughs> it gives me enough time to kind of just ponder i'll probably be like staring off into space when i'm having my dinner later on kind of like <laughs> wondering about this movie because it does leave a lasting impact and i can totally understand i actually got a really good like message on that david lynch post someone told me like don't do it because <laughs> you're gonna be spending the rest of your life just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a warning i got and i can totally understand now but i definitely want to check blue velvet out because i like uh dean stock stockwell is it dean stockwell he, yeah because i'm currently in the process of uh watching Battlestar galactica oh i i've never seen it i i, I saw episodes but I, it's one of those things that passed me by because mm -hmm. i wasn't much of a tv watcher back then and now i'm watching it and he's so good i always mm -hmm. knew him as uh from quantum leap because i used to watch that yeah but I never realized how good he was. Mm -hmm. Like, he is such a good actor. He has uh, a smaller role in yeah. Blue Velvet, but it's an incredibly memorable yeah. sequence. And it's kind of like the lady in the radio. That's a small role. Yeah, but exactly. But it's lasting. Exactly. Like, the impact and the image of it all. Yes. I think that if I was to give a, another suggestion, feel free to watch Blue Velvet. Blue I think Velvet, yes. It is, it is definitely one of the... Th one of three or four movies that he is definitely associated with but i would personally say i've been re-watching twin peaks recently okay and i love that series when it came out uh, not when it came out but um i watched it for the first time when i was in uh my second year of university okay and it was um basically it was in a television writing uh class which is an interesting concept to to associate with yeah. Lynch, I suppose. Like yeah, Lynch but... is a very improvisational kind of uh, writer. He is. And a bit of an improvisational director. But in terms of like his, uh, his brand of imagery and his brand of, and his brand of atmosphere, it's very true to that in okay. a very uh, palatable and appealing kind of way. But it's also 
much funnier and it's much more like satirical and uh, balancing that comedy with the atmosphere and the murder mystery yeah. it's a brilliant juggling act and some of the characterization is fantastic Catherine Coulson uh, who was a crew member on Eraserhead she yeah. was originally cast in a scene but that scene got cut yeah. uh, as a nurse but um, she appears throughout the series as the log lady. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I've never seen Twin Peaks, but I know just through pop culture, mm -hmm. I know of like you know the Backwards Room, yeah, the Log Lady, and and such. Uh, my initial thing with Twin Peaks is when I heard of it, I was told I was left on a cliffhanger, and my well, my biggest gripe sometimes that I don't even watch new shows sometimes until there's got a couple of uh, seasons before it mm -hmm. and if i find out we're ending the series and we've got a conclusion i will start watching it just because i've been burned so many times watching a tv show mm -hmm. just to be left on a cliffhanger i'm like the fuck does that for well in this case like it does have the third series which yeah. came out in 2017 i yes. believe and for me, like, I love that aspect of Twin Peaks. Like, every single episode yeah. has, like, this incentive to watch the next one. Yeah. It's not like a series like Daredevil, which is a very good series. Yeah. And Marvel has done very good with their Netflix series. But they're always very self-contained in their episodes. Yes. And I really like that this has one continuous story from mm. one episode to the next to the I, next. I, I find Daredevil has a continuous story. Well, it does, uh, but they're it, also contained with, like, there's individual stories. It's episodic, that, yes. Yeah, yeah, very episodic in that sense. Um, so, the recommended is to start with the original series. Yes. Then the movie. Uh, yeah. And then the revival series. That is essentially the process that he made them, and... Yeah. Uh, Fire Walk With Me is a prequel. Yeah. It focuses on Laura Palmer's life uh, okay. leading up to the incident that kills her, basically. Yeah. Uh, so would you recommend I watch the movie first then? Or? No. no, 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 no. Because I guess it's like spoiler territory. <laughs> yeah, I guess. it is very spoilery. So it's best to watch it and how it's been released? Exactly. Okay. And after that, so what I've, I've watched Twin Peaks. Uh, what movie would be next? Well, so you you told me to watch Twin Peaks as my second Lynch viewing, even though it's mm -hmm. gonna be long. Yeah. After that, what would you recommend? Well, honest... especially to people that are listening now. So I've watched A Razor Head. So if you want to get into David Lynch, A Razor Head is the good first movie to get in. It's his first movie, mm -hmm. and then after that, you you want to go for a more long form. Check out Twin Peaks. Yeah. What would be next? I think that, like, you can go in any direction after that point. Like, if you're... Let me give you a basic uh, perspective on this. Don't watch uh, the 90s movies yet. Don't watch the movies from the 90s at, okay. until later on after you've seen uh, a little bit more of him. Okay. If you like mystery and you like atmosphere, but you don't need... You don't want to be, like, overtly disturbed uh, o excessively... I would recommend Mulholland Drive, which is uh, a Hollywood noir which introduced the world to Naomi Watts, who is very good in that she, film. Yeah, she's a good actress. Uh, if you want to be challenged on that level, like if you want to have that mystery and to be challenged, then Blue Velvet will be... It will be tough, but it is very effective in the way that it 
deals with those tough scenarios. But if you just want to um, experience like a good story in terms of like a fairly conventional story, but also with really good acting and very sincere emotions, The Elephant Man is a really good watch. And I have said this before, this was my first Lynch movie. It's not the best introduction to Lynch, but it does have a special place for me because it deals with uh, an individual who I really do aspire to the kind of personality, the the kindness and sincerity and the the standing of uh, Joseph Merrick, known as John Merrick in the movie. Um, John Hurt, I wish that he could have won the Oscar that year. He was up against like Robert De Niro and he had no chance of that. But it's just a beautifully done piece of acting and the makeup is amazing. There's less dream sequences. There are a couple of them, but it's mostly contained within the historical context. Because it is based on a true story. Yeah. So just gonna go over this again raise your head first twin peaks the whole shebang mm-hmm. well uh, you can you can you can pick and choose like, okay if if you if you like the first season and then you want to watch something else or yeah. something like that so watch the first season maybe put in a movie mm-hmm. and then just keep going that way the set the first season is only like seven episodes long oh, uh that's, pl- that's beautiful i hate it when there's like 26 episodes to a season no that's the next set that's the next season <laughs> god damn it <laughs> <laughs> and then sprinkling like blue velvet elephant man and mulholland drive yeah yeah uh wild at heart and uh those kinds of movies uh lost highway they're good i'm still processing them because i'm uh not as familiar with those movies as i am they're more neo-noir than uh weird surrealist imagery yeah but they are entertaining in their own way have you seen uh inland empire inland empire i have not seen that one yet actually because that that's that looks pretty interesting Mm -hmm. that that's uh, his last movie. That one has Jeremy Irons in it, which is the oh. one thing that I absolutely anticipate seeing. Yeah, so. <laughs> Jeremy Irons is fantastic. So thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. Thank you for introducing me to the very weird world of David Lynch. Thank you very uh, much if you for have having it, me. Oh, no problem, man. If you have anything you would like to plug, go ahead. Well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DASkyThor. I post very irregularly, but usually it's something that's uh, in association with my podcast, which is which is the audio drama Echo, uh, that 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 series is an eight episode long uh, fantasy drama set in the set in uh, the medieval times about a blind man trapped in a cave and the monster that accompanies him. And uh, uh, Echoes is fully released now. Echo uh, last episode you were on, it was just getting ready to come out. Yes. And now it's fully out. Echo is all out on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and any podcast app. And I will announce now, coming soon, I will be re-releasing old episodes from a series that I did back in my college days. It's Adaptational. Yes. The hardcover edition. Oh. Where I cover... Um, adaptations and stories that uh, stories that have yet to be made into movies or television series. Yeah. I have some things that I have to say about certain episodes in that series. Oh, that fantastic! <laughs> I uh, I have I will be there will be appendices, uh-huh. much, much like Tolkien did. Oh, so. <laughs> um, 
did you mention uh, Dune in Adaptational? I have not yet. Uh, and yet is the key word there. Yeah. Because I want to explore that that story. Like, mm. I love... I, I really do like uh, Frank Herbert's original novel, although yeah. I kind of pick it up sporadically these yeah. days. Uh, but because of Lynch's involvement mm -hmm. in it, because of Denis Villeneuve's um, upcoming reboot, yeah. uh, second adaptation, and also because of the documentary Hodorowsky's yes. Dune. Uh, Hodorowsky. I'm not sure exactly yeah. how to pronounce his name. But the whole production for that is insane, too. The production of that film was... A nightmare. A, a nightmare, for sure. <laughs> it was a David Lynch nightmare. Because, <laughs> mm. um, you know, a lot of the people that were working on Dune up and left and started working on Alien. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So that's kind of... Well, that's 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 for Hodorowsky's yeah. uh, version of the story. Yeah. Like, that movie... When I see that documentary, I think to myself, this would have been the coolest thing I've oh. ever seen in my life. But... Yeah. Uh, Star Wars came out after it was in production, and Alien came out in its wake. And but because of uh, because all the crew went, went oh, let's go over to Ridley now. This is taking forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. If you, like I said, I, I interrupted you. I just because you, we were talking about Lynch and you were talking about adaptations. I thought I asked you about Dune. So I feel like that's going to be very very soon to happen. Like I need Fantastic. to finish the book, which is basically its own version of yeah. the Bible to some extent. So. Isn't there a miniseries on Dune too? There, there are a couple of uh, adaptations, and Dune was adapted into a miniseries, and they also had a sequel uh, miniseries called Dune Messiah, which is based yeah. on the second book. I have heard mixed things about that, yeah. but generally speaking, like adaptations of Frank Herbert are very difficult to handle yeah. because there is such a such a massive content in there. That's why Villeneuve is doing it in two parts. Yes. So. Oh, is it two parts or four? Is it just one? No, it's going to be two. Oh wow! I heard they also might be making like a series accompanying it as well. Mm. I have um, not heard about that. That, that because, but I do have a lot of faith in Villeneuve because. The man managed to make a decent Blade Runner sequel, which w was considered impossible. It, it is a beautiful sequel. It is. Beautifully done. It's amazing. Anyway, thank you very much. Um, I was really happy to do this. Yeah, I, no was glad to, I was glad to see that you were open to this kind of weird oh, experience. Oh, yeah. I'm very open. I, I'm, I'm willing to try any like, type of movie once, and I'm actually glad I did. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm going to start saying my stuff. Beaver does movies on... Instagram, that's the main hub right now. I'm going to be throwing in some recommendations. I'm going to be throwing some questions. Uh, Beaver does on Twitter, Beaver does movies at gmail.com. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. We, we're still going strong, and I'm really appreciating everyone listening. Uh, and that is pretty much it. I'm going to spend the next two days thinking this movie over <laughs> and everything uh, is fine i'm hoping so <laughs> jesus christ i got a vacation to enjoy <laughs> um so yeah thank you very much sky and you guys have a great one hey you yeah you are you looking for a fun and unique fundraising alternative ditch the frozen cookies holiday calendars and bingo balls have your sports team organization or nonprofit raise some real dough by trying a Quizlers Quiz Night Fundraising Alternative. Quizlers is a 12-round fun and interactive quiz game experience. Teams are formed and compete against one another on a variety of exciting topics. It's interactive, it's social, it's trivia. 
Follow us on Facebook by searching at Quizzlers, on Instagram at Quizzlers Winnipeg, or call us today at 204-793-4202. Mention the discount code BEAVERDOESMOVIES to receive 15% off your next Quizzlers booking.